So welcome to another episode of Making It in Asheville. I am your host, Tony Ubertaccio, and in this podcast, we sit down with Asheville locals. We ask them what they're making and how they're making it in Asheville. And today, we are joined uh, by a, a hopefully future friend of mine, Jason, who I, I want to let you tell your story because it seems like there are a lot of fun things happening at So the Land. Uh yes. And it's been quite an evolution. When we, Sarah and I moved to Asheville in May of 2019, so almost a year and a half ago. And, you know, one of the things that I did was just like watch your YouTube channel and uh, perhaps aspirationally, like we moved into an apartment. We have no, no land. But like the dream when I lived in Brooklyn was I want to get Sarah a garden, you know, and not that she wants a garden. I just thought that the idea of having, you know, a garden that we could grow something in would be amazing. And you right. have that at about 11. So please introduce yourself. Uh, and I can't wait to to share your story. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Um, yeah, when when I first saw the Making It Asheville podcast on Instagram, I thought, yes, I thought <laughs> Asheville needs a Making It in Asheville podcast. <laughs> That's the first thing that came to my mind. So I appreciate what you guys are doing. Ah, uh, it's we are uh, attempting to follow in your media footsteps. So thank you, <laughs> and and it's great to to finally meet. Yeah. So my name's Jason. Um, so okay. So yeah. Where do I start? <laughs> um, so we moved here in 2016. Okay. And uh, previously. Uh, me and my uh, we as in me my wife and my now nine-year-old um us three we moved here and previously we are from the los angeles area and uh, born and raised in that area never lived anywhere else um you know met my wife in high school we've been together pretty much since then and wow and uh um, in 2000, the end of 2009, you know, I had turned, I had just turned 30 years old and I uh, was diagnosed with cancer and I had Hodgkin's lymphoma and that really just kind of changed our life yeah. for real. <laughs> um, you know, previously to that, I, you know, we lived, a, I guess, a pretty normal California life, you know, <laughs> Just skateboarding uh, places, drinking smoothies. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, you know, what do California do? Sh surf, you know, <laughs> go to the beach, yeah, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So, you know, um, uh, but when I got that cancer diagnosis, it was just totally like, wow, like just came from nowhere. And, um, I did six months of chemo and that was it. And it was during that chemo process is where, we we started to just think about life, <laughs> you know. It just really makes you think, and what what you really want out of life, and um, what what is making us happy. And uh, it was during that is when we started to look at nutrition and started to think about well, maybe we need to start uh, living differently and eating different foods and. And trying to be more healthier. Mm. I mean, even though I, I didn't think I was unhealthy. Sure. Uh, but um, it was just how can we just be better, like feel better. And so um, I remember uh, 
one of my last oncology appointments where uh, the doctor was like, okay, you're, you're in remission, you know, no more cancer. It was six months and, and that was it. And I said, okay, so what now? <laughs> you know, like I've always yeah. thought like there was this like kind of maybe uh, uh, pills I need to take. Is there a nutrition plan? Do I need to see a counselor? <laughs> you know, it was just such an emotional roller coaster of just that whole process. Sure. And uh, she said, no. And she goes, there's nothing that you need to do. She goes, just go back living to how you were normally living. Wow. Just go back to your normal life. And that really didn't just make sense to us. <laughs> yeah, I have a mentor that would call that a uh, fishbowl shattering moment. And <laughs> you can't go back inside the fishbowl once it's shattered. And so you're now in this next level and the game has fundamentally changed. And it seems like it, were you, did you have grass in LA? I know that like grass is kind of hard to come by. Like, did you have a yard? How different did things get from that moment? So we lived in a, at that time, at that time we lived in a a condo. Um, so we really didn't have, we had maybe a little time. It was basically an apartment. Um, you know, and, and so that's just kind of, woke us up when she said that and, and, and was like, okay, so what can we do for ourselves that we can be better? Like, okay, let's, let's start thinking about nutrition. You know, sure. what can you do? You got to eat better exercise. What else can you do? You know, there's not, I don't know, not much other than that or that you can do really. Um, so that's what we started doing. And we, it was on this like journey of trying to figure out, what's healthy, what's not, what should we be cutting out of our diet, you know, soda, you know, fast food, stuff like that, you know, and it was, it was uh, baby steps and it was very slow. Um, But, you know, at the same time, when she said that, I kind of thought, okay, well maybe I do just go back to my normal life. And so for the, like a year or two after that, I, we tried to like, I was like, okay, like, and I felt good, you know, it was almost like I, you would never know I had cancer. Sure. You know, all my, all my hair grew back and, and I felt pretty good. Um, but I feel like, and I almost like didn't want to talk about it, you know, yeah, like yeah. I didn't want to, I didn't want people to mention it. I just wanted to almost forget like that happened. And so. Um, and just for, just for a timeline, this is, you get diagnosed around 2014, 2013. This was tw- 2009. Oh, wow. Okay. So there, there was a, there's a su- substantial amount of time between diagnosis and, and, and like moving. This isn't like, uh, uh, what are the eat, pray, love where you, you just re- start the story that becomes famous almost instantly. It's there's, no. there's a window between that and North Carolina. So there was about seven years. Oh, great. Okay. Of after I was diagnosed with cancer. So within that seven years, you know, a couple of years there where we kind of went back to our normal life mm-hmm. and just kind of eating whatever I wanted to and feeling pretty good. And but slowly during that time, I felt like it was eating away at me. Sure. Um, also, I think it's not good that I was not talking about it um, in a way. I, I felt like that's almost therapeutic. Like sure. people were asking me questions and, and, and you know, then all of a sudden people that I know are getting cancer, you know, and like. You know, it just happens and then yeah. they feel like, you know, they know I went through it. So they want to talk to me about it, you know, kind of my experiences and stuff like that. And 
which is great. Um, so it was during that time I I thought like you know I we need to do something differently. Like yeah. this going back to our normal life is not working. And so you know we we started looking at nutrition, started figuring out like we need to cook our own meals. You know like we need to stop buying frozen dinners. <laughs> stuff like that and and previously we've never had a garden we're never around <laughs> people who grow gardens yeah uh, and so from that condo we we bought our first home okay and so la you know, area think, yeah la area okay. we had you know bigger backyard front yard you know the four bedroom house sure um and we're still trying to figure this out of like what should we be eating, not eating? And, and, and so we started to go like gluten free, you know, sure. we're not going to eat gluten and, and eating more just real whole foods. And, um, it, it was like a snowball effect of like, well, you know, maybe we should start growing our own. Food, you know? <laughs> and, and just in case someone has made it this far in and doesn't have a sense of what, what you're up to today, maybe from that idea of maybe we start growing our own food, we jump to this moment and you just give a quick snapshot of what so the land has going on in the greater Asheville area because the, from the idea of maybe we grow something to, to what I watch on Instagram and YouTube is it seems like a lifetime and it's only been a couple of years it's crazy yeah we're on one and a half acres now <laughs> we grew all of our meat for the entire year this year and we have a 2500 square foot garden <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's a process though, you know, <laughs> trying to figure that out. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I, I built some raised garden beds and, and we started, I, I, we bought some plant starts yeah. at the hardware store and we put them in the ground and we just trying to figure that out. Like, you know, let's grow a tomato plant. And then, it, and then we like, wow, we grew a tomato, you know, like that's awesome. It's the best tomato I've ever had. I can only yeah. imagine that the first one. That you grow yeah, and, and then, you eat. You know, and then we, we had our daughter a couple of years after I was diagnosed with cancer. And, um, you know, just just learning how to grow food. Mm. And and we fell in love with that. Like, the whole process is so satisfying from seed to plate. You know, just that process of seeing that food grow. Yeah. And so, af after a while, we started to joke around like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we had more land? And, and maybe we could have some chickens, you know, like a bunch of chickens. And, you got to be or, careful or, what or, you wish for. Or bigger animals. And it was like this joke. It yeah. became this, we were laughing and we're like, because like all of our family was pretty much within an hour from each other. Like okay. all, all right there. Like yeah. everybody. And so like, first of all, we didn't want to move away from family. Yeah. Uh, because we're very close with our family in um, so it became like this joke, like, yeah, that would never happen. Ha ha. You know, like but we kept on joking about it and talking about <laughs> joke it Joke enough. And it became this thing sure. where all of a sudden we started saying, well, if we're going to go start this farm somewhere one day, then we're not going to need all this stuff, you know, in our home. Um, cause we, my wife, she, she was working in the fashion industry okay. in LA and, you know, she had all these designer clothes and, and huge closet of stuff. And, you know, I had stuff and we had collections and we collected vintage furniture and, and all these things. And I'm like, well, we're not, and, and also like <laughs> having cancer, things didn't matter anymore. I can you only know, imagine things didn't matter. 
Like what mattered was us was just being happy in our health. Sure. And so we started getting rid of stuff slowly. It was like a snowball effect. We started getting rid of stuff in our house. We, before you know it, we had nothing on our walls. Um, we started getting rid of couches and chairs and, and lamps. And there was and, no like, hey, we're we're doing this. It was just like it, it was it started to happen. Like it just started yeah. to happen. You were like, maybe we need less. That's yeah. I find that fascinating because Sarah and I had I I would say something similar where we were like, oh, New York City. No version that we're aware of in New York is where we like aspirationally would would be if given our choices like not at the west village not the cutest spot on central park or like none of that you know speaks to us what does and it's like maybe it's a yard maybe it's nature's nearby maybe it's a community that feels like a city but isn't and like and then all of a sudden we're like oh we need to start looking for a place like that (laughs) Uh, and it, it seems like there's something similar happening in your story where you're like we need less and also there's this crazy idea of a farm Right. And if we do that, we definitely need less. And it'd be better to sell stuff or get rid of it, not in right. a fire sale right before we leave, than like right. slowly over time. Yeah, it was just slowly over time. And wow. We either, you know, sell it or get rid of it. We invite people over and be like, hey, we have all this stuff. Come take it, you know? Wow. <laughs> and, you know, we had two cars. We we we, we pared down to one car. And it was almost like we were having this minimalism mindset sure. almost. Um. And so, and, and, you know, my wife, she had already had, had quit her um, job in the fashion industry to be a stay at home mom when we had our daughter. And that was not in her plan either in our plan, but yeah. you know, as soon as you have a baby, it, everything changes. <laughs> and what, and can she, I ask what industry were you, were you in? Cause I see you and you are so handy and capable <laughs> when I watch yeah. Instagram or YouTube, were you in production or is this just learned over time? So I was in, I had an office job, a nine to five office job, and I was a, um, c- a computer drafter. So huh. I drew up plans, like kind of engineering uh, plans. I worked for a low voltage company. And I did that for 17 years. Wow. <laughs> We're going to interrupt this episode to quickly thank our sponsor for this season, Range Urgent Care. Range has been our sponsor now for the last two seasons, three in total, and we are just so thankful, not just that they help us in making this podcast possible, but we are thankful for the work they do in this community. Range Urgent Care, if you're not familiar, is a very intuitive urgent care facility. There are two in Asheville, one in Asheville, one in Black Mountain, uh, a third on its way, but uh, they allow you to very simply and seamlessly schedule visits, you know, not emergency visits, but urgent care visits for most things that most people need all the time. Those visits, when they say, you know, come in at two, you'll be seen at two. It's beautiful. And they have uh, both the ability to make drop-in visits and uh, memberships at very incredibly, unbelievably reasonable prices, which is almost unheard of in healthcare, and it's not going unnoticed. So for the last two years, Range Urgent Care has been on the Venture Asheville 
uh, fastest growing companies list in Asheville. This year, their co-founder, Matthew, has actually won CEO of the year. He and his wife, Stephanie, were on this podcast. We would love for you to go back, check out that episode, and we would love for you to check out Range. So we have a very special offer because Range is our sponsor for this show. If you visit makingitinashville.com forward slash range, you'll see that offer. It is a free month membership if you sign up to any tier of the membership plans. Uh, Those are personal plans, family plans, business plans, um, and they're most certainly worth checking out. One more time, that's making it in Asheville forward slash range. And thank you, Range, for yet again supporting this podcast. And um, so at the same time as all this was going on and we're selling our stuff and I had already, you know, remission of cancer, trying to figure out how to grow food, my job was also kind of had, had been eating away at me. Sure. And I was doing the same thing in front of a computer in artificial light of just 17 years of the same exact thing. And that was eating away with me. I was like, dang, I was like, I don't really want to, do I really want to be doing this for the rest of my life? You know, I felt like there was no room for growth there. And that was eating away at me. But still didn't know how I was going to get away from that. Um, So slowly, you know, we started getting rid of our stuff. And one of the last things, um, uh, well, during all that too, we're trying to figure out like how to can food. You know, almost had this like home home farming, homesteading mindset in in LA. In LA, yeah, <laughs> cool. Like try to live minimally. Yeah, let's see what we can fix instead of buying new. Let, let's get rid of stuff. You know, uh, let's figure out how to can food, how to freeze dry food. You know, um, stuff like that. Like, and so, but very super small scale because yeah, we were yeah. hardly growing a whole <laughs> lot. Um, and so one of the last things that we had in our home was our, our, our kitchen table. Like our home was almost pretty much empty except for our kitchen table. We had a couch. Um, and so I said, okay, if we sell this kitchen table, then I think we're pretty serious about <laughs> I would to say. Find land somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. And so we so- <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And so we sold it. Um, and then shortly thereafter, we, we sold our house. Wow. And, you know, we, we've kept, we kept some things like, like some tools and, and I guess necessities that, um, that we felt like I might need in the future Yeah, that could possibly bring us some kind of income, like, you know, tools, like maybe I can make things. Yeah. Um, but still we really didn't know what this was going to look like or where we we're going to be, where we we're going to stay in California. I don't know. And, and so I think it's incredible. A, um, it, it, you, you, cause from an outsider, you look at someone else's story and you're like, they clearly were like in film or knew how to, you know, record and media was their thing. And they had this plan and they made a bunch of money. And then they moved to Western North Carolina. Who knows why? And that's what we're going to find out. But I, the fact that that's not the case, A, is surprising, B, is amazing. And so, like, what kind of – I imagine that takes a lot of communication with you and your partner. I imagine that um, you either have to know how each other are wired because I can imagine this slow 
uh, trickle into a move being terrifying for somebody and liberating for someone else. And you don't want to guess wrong when there's a baby. That's just my, that's my guess. I'm trying to put like context on this because it's, you're making it sound so normal and it's extraordinary. Yeah. So I don't know how this happens, but you know, we were both on the same page from day one. Like it wasn't like you hear, like I've heard the stories, kind of the stories before where, you know, the, the husband wants this life in the, you know, or the other way around and, 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 and someone's compromising doesn't. and it's yeah. like, there's this anxiety and at some point a fracture and then a break. And so you were aligned from the idea this is going to be an adventure. Yeah, we were. Um, wow. it, this is just, I want this just as much as my wife does. Um, it's beautiful. And, and I think it kind of came down to because I had cancer, nothing else mattered. Yeah. You know, what mattered is that I enjoy what I'm doing. She enjoys what she's doing and we could just do it together. Sure. How did you get from LA to the hills of North yeah. Carolina? That seems like a long way. Right. And that's not where we wanted to be <laughs> for, you know, we didn't want to be far away from family. We, sure. we looked at other places. We, we looked at places in California and West coast area. And so after we sold our home, the plan was we're going to move back in with mom for a year and figure and try to figure out where we want to be, you know, continue saving, sure. continue to get out of debts and stuff like that. Um, and so uh, we knew a couple that were from LA that moved to Asheville. And so they would tell us about the area they knew we were kind of looking for places and we're like, ah, that's too far. Like we had never been on the East coast ever. Yeah. Like, I think the furthest away we've been to New Mexico and like New Mexico is the furthest state we've ever been. <laughs> it's so fun. <laughs> it's, and so we, we went on vacation. We took a, a week long vacation to Asheville area and we didn't look at any places. We just wanted to go and just to see what the place was like. Like mm-hmm. we had no idea what it was like over here. And so we took that vacation and that, in that week, we felt like this is where we needed to be. I don't know what that feeling is, um, but we felt like maybe because it, it's so much different than California, you know, like there's water, <laughs> there's no droughts, you know, yeah. compared to there. Um, there's green, you know, like it's beautiful. Yeah. And so why, why, who wouldn't love it, you know? Yeah. Um, so we went, we moved, we went back home after that vacation and we're like, I don't know, you know, we're still kind of in this like, too far it's you know we don't want to be away from family like that because we really didn't know anybody we had no family over here yeah you know we don't really know anybody i mean so um uh, six months i think it was about six months after we went we came back from that vacation i said well i need to go look yeah like actually go look you know you can look online all these websites and it just, I didn't know the area. So I really didn't know where this place was or how far it was from this place or that. Sure. So I, I took a, I flew by myself and, um, I, my wife trusted me to look at these places by myself and I would just send her pictures and, and, and say, look at this place, look at that place. And so I, like in three days, I saw like 12 different properties or so. Wow. And the place that we're at now, 
was the last place I saw. And it was also the not the place, the area that we wanted to be at. Sure. Um, but it ended up being the place we, we, we chose. Yeah. And where are you? We are just outside of Asheville, um, like Leicester area. Sure. Okay. Um, you know, it's a single wide mobile home. It was run down. Uh, you know, we did not want to live in a mobile home. Uh, you know, being from California, you know, mobile homes get this bad reputation. <laughs> One of the worst wraps in, in the whole, in the whole game. And yeah. there are more square feet than I've ever had in an apartment <laughs> so far. <laughs> Yeah, and just telling people that hey, we're we're leaving to, and we bought this rundown mobile home. <laughs> like, I was afraid of people telling me like, are you know, am I nuts? Like, are you guys nuts? Like, you know, like afraid of that judgment of sure. like, you know, I, I was scared to tell people that you know because people have this romantic <laughs> idea of like, oh, you're gonna go start this farm in 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 the mountains of North Carolina, like, like is it a hundred year old farmhouse, you know, like all these romantic ideas. And I'm like, well, it's a farmhouse. (laughs) Cracked wood, red, red wood paint coming off and like good hues. Yeah. No, no, no. There's wheels. Yeah. (laughs) So we ended up getting the property, but that at the same time that all this was going on, like my job was still eating away at me. And how was I going to leave? Like I, I, I tried to look at, uh, other jobs over here sure but it's just so hard like you know you don't live here like it just was it was just so difficult and honestly i really didn't know how difficult what really what the job market was out here sure um i really didn't know anything and so um uh we ended up getting the property and uh, at that same time, I had a second cancer scare uh, where I thought for sure my cancer was back. Mm. And um, and then, so we already had the property, but at the same time, my cancer might be back. And then my job was eating away at me. I had to figure out that part. And so um, one thing we decided, I decided to do was just leave. I was just going to leave my job and we're just going to go figure it out. That was the plan. We're just going to go leave and figure it out. And if it's meant to be, it'll happen. <laughs> um, Love it. It, Love it. It, and, you know, we had a, we had a savings of course. So that helped. That was like a good start for us to help sure. us uh, make that transition. But, um, uh, before, do you remember about how long, I mean, because you, you mentioned debt and I, I'm going to get specific. You can say as loose as you want, but you mentioned like uh, live at, live with the maybe in-laws or parents to reduce some debt. Like we moved to Asheville. I still had a bunch of student debts, but relatively, you know, our fixed costs on a month to month, we, we had between six and 12 months of if we make no money, all we have to do is eat as little food as possible and like we'll survive six months. And I suspect over the course of six months, we'll figure something out. Right. Is that like, do you remember about how much time in runway language you might have had? I think we, yeah, I think kind of us the same thing. I think we said six months. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's save enough for six months to live. Sure. 
um, I think it ended up being like three or four months where I didn't work at all. Wow. Or, or a steady income anyways. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was the plan, I guess. Just we'll figure it out. And, um, and at some point you kind of, so like the part, the reason why making it a natural largely exists is because when we did our, you did a week, we did, uh, three, three day trips. So about the same amount of time, um, every time we would talk to someone and say, Oh, like it seems so great, like a bartender or a waiter or just someone on the street. It seems so great. I, we were considering moving here and they'd say, better bring your own job, you know, better bring your own job. (laughs) And so we're like Sarah more aggressively than I did, like went looking for job opportunities. Um, I, I got pretty far into a, uh, interview process with REI. Cause I was like, you know, I'm going to need camping stuff. Like I'm, we're moving there. I got like, maybe I get a good discount and like make some I money. Apply for REI too, yeah. <laughs> and I was, uh, you know, I, I don't know what it is in, in California, but r- the relative hourly rate to be just someone on a sales floor, not making commission. I said the amount of time and energy to get to REI from the places where I think we'll be. It doesn't, it, it wouldn't make sense. I'm like, there's gotta be a way that we build something that quickly would outpace the security of a $7 and 47 cent an hour job. I don't know what it's going to be yet. And the podcast hasn't proven to be as lucrative as the internet makes it sound, but we've met incredible people. And so now we have this network and it's been, that has been fruitful for us, but this, you know, we had to bring our own job, which was a marketing company. Yeah, see, I didn't, I didn't know that when we moved here. <laughs> like, no one told me that. Like, oh no! <laughs> like, that you need to bring your own job. I just figured, like, well, how hard can it be? Like, I had a 17-year experience doing this one thing. Like, I'm pretty sure I could, I could do the same thing somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. Or like, you know, I could go bartend. You know, I could go yeah, order pizzas. You know, it came down to like, how bad do we want this lifestyle? Right. You know, how bad do we want it? And so the first job that I actually did here was an Uber driver. And that was fun. I, I believe <laughs> it. Uber driver. Pre pandemic, I imagine it, yes. it could get pretty, uh, pretty interesting. Yeah. And we, I was, I was right there. I was, uh, I, I had the application for Uber driver started, you know, like it was open. And I never actually went went through that. We got uh, a little bit of traction before then. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, so yeah, we just in in you know I I had already put in like my three week notice of my mm-hmm. work, whatever. And and I had this last appointment where I needed to get these uh, PET scans and CAT scans to see if I had cancer again. Yeah. So I thought, well, if I have cancer again, we're, we can't make this move. Yeah. You know, like. We probably have doctors not. in LA that you're familiar with and like. Yeah, and our family helped. Family, family exactly. Was very helpful. Yeah, they, like we had that support. Mm-hmm. And, um, we can't make it out here like that. And so, you know, we went to that last appointment and thought, and it, and it came back negative. And it was like, it was almost like this huge relief of like, oh my gosh. And so I remember after we got out of that appointment, we called up our parents and we're like, all right, we're headed to North Carolina. Like it's gonna happen, and I felt like we we're having this like like these green lights, like 
throughout this whole process where again like i get emotional when i every time i talk about this because it was it's just such an emotional experience of just trying to like make that leap and like just just we're getting like i felt like all these green lights you know and there and then each time they were saying yes go yes go <laughs> ah. go do it you know and uh, that was the last one that we needed and so we left i love and, it and so uh, uh that was t- 2016 um the yeah. only thing that at our we have one and a half acres so the only thing here was the house and that was it wow. uh, and so we basically left to try to grow our own food as much as possible. Try to live self. So you just have like a, like a bunch of homesteading books. Did you drive out? Did you, did you fly and just pack a couple, you know, the primary bags, ship some stuff? Yeah, we, we shipped some stuff out here. Yeah. The stuff that we kept, like I kept a lot of my tools and, mm-hmm. and you know, we kept stuff. We didn't keep the sure. whole lot, but we yeah. did. But, um, and then we, we drove here, it took us like nine days. We, we took our time. Yeah. You know, we had fun. We tried to have fun with it. You know, like just it's, it's a lot, it's a lot of road. <laughs> that sounds, yeah. <laughs> you gotta have, if you're not having yeah. fun, that sounds uh, painful. Yeah. We had a four, you know, four year old, sure. you know, so it, it was fun. It was a fun yeah. trip. And, and, and not to jump into the story, but at what point are do you start filming? Like at what point are you like, we should document this because when we with Sarah and, and myself, when, when we were getting ready to move, uh, she had a, uh, like an interview at a marketing agency. That's, that's, that was local. And, you know, I'm excited for it. I'm like, this is great. And our neighbors have a podcast or our neighbors in Brooklyn had a podcast and something about like the whole, all of it. One day I was just like, Oh my God, we should, we should start a podcast where we tell our story of making it in Asheville quickly realized that no one would care about our story of making it in Asheville. Like my, my mom doesn't even, you know, listen to all these episodes. Love you, mom. But like, uh, no one cares about us. And so it, it quickly pivoted once we actually met people to this, let's interview people, ask how they're making it in Asheville so that really this is about the next person, which is, uh, Hey, listener, hey, you, you too can make it in Nashville or just like keep like here are all these stories. We're a community now. And so that's how our evolution has gone. But it yeah. started with we should probably document this, if only for ourselves. And no, at what point good. does that sh- happen for you? It was about six, maybe eight months after we moved here. Like YouTube was not even in, in our radar. Sure. Like it wasn't a thing like I. I think I only watched I watched YouTube before like how to do something. <laughs> Me you too. know, like Constantly, this, I, I, like, I love YouTube. I'm a I'm yeah. a I'm a like I'm I'm this close to paying for YouTube's premium thing <laughs> just to not get ads. Like I, I love that's my preferred yeah. uh like media drug of choice. Yeah, and so um you know, we let when we left, we left all of our family. You know, we took uh our granddaughter away from grandma. Mm. you know their grand you know their granddaughter away you know like so it was very difficult like that has to be the hardest thing for us was being away from our family and um so you know our family was like really fully didn't really understand why we wanted to move away sure you know almost like 
I think some maybe even felt like, you know, did we do anything wrong? You know, do you guys like us? You know, like that. And it's not that wasn't that at all. Sure. And so they started to ask questions like, what are you guys doing out there? <laughs> like, are you guys, did you guys retire early? And like, you're in a hammock out in the mountain somewhere. Yeah, you, you hit and, a lotto. Uh, you win a lottery and not tell anybody. Keep it real quiet. Right. So, um, you know, I was doing, I started, we started doing Instagram. Um, and I was posting videos here and there or, uh, photos. And, um, you know, I was also sending short little video clips to mom, you know, or grandma. And yeah. Like, Hey, look at, this is what we did today. And it was like short little, clips of my phone and then after a while that got very old you know sending out clips to everybody and, and i thought you know what why don't how about we start a youtube channel where i could just we could just film our day and, and we could show people what we're doing our, our family yeah it was for our family why we started the youtube channel because they were asking all these questions and i was yeah. like this is what we did today. here's a link you could watch it whenever you can you know i don't have to send it to 10 different people you know, and, and that's how it started. Like, wow. I just started um, shooting video with my phone. And um, and do you know started... offhand how many followers, subscribers you have on YouTube today? Uh, currently, we have uh, 114,000. People. Yeah. <laughs> People. Listener, that's 114,000 YouTube subscribers from a channel that started with, hey, mom, this is <laughs> this is what we did today. Come on. That's amazing. Yeah. What I, I imagine there's as much as changed in your production and strategies, let's say, as uh, from your first attempt canning something in L.A. Uh, I would love to spend a little bit of this conversation talking specifically about thinking media, media strategy. Um, you would represent on this podcast, at least not only our first homesteader, uh, but also like first really kind of YouTube, uh, YouTube business owner. But I know there's more going on than like YouTube and, and probably YouTube yeah. ads. You have, uh, a incredible hat on and I know that you right. sell merchandise. I know that you're in, um, now of course I'm forgetting the name of it, but the beautiful shop on Riverside. What, uh, yeah, it was at uh, Atomic Furnishings. Atomic design. Furnishings. Yep. Yeah, so we're like not, we're not there anymore. Oh, through the pandemic, yeah. it changed. Bummer. Yeah. Well, uh, shout out and hugs and kisses to Atomic. Uh, oh, yeah. We sure. we love yeah. go pre pandemic loved going in there uh, and would uh, ooh and ah at your products. And, yeah, no, no, no I know, I, but uh, we haven't been in since the pandemic. But uh, Annalise Gormley, we've had on the podcast recently. She was either I think she was on the exact opposite side of where I remember yours being um spoon and hook anyway uh so like there's you have this now multiple revenue business i'll go so far as to call it an empire but a uh a real substantial thing from a hey we're going to start by just trying to feed ourselves in the in the soil um and so perhaps like at what point did you name your channel or instagram feed so the land and think maybe this is a thing to a uh, big hero of mine that I've never met is uh, Steve Pressfield, Stephen Pressfield, who wrote, you know, Do the Work and Turning Pro and The Artist, The War of Art. Um, and so at some point you uh, flip switches and you're like, this is a thing. Love to hear about that experience and that process. So, so we came up with the name So the Land before we left California. 
Cool. And because I I thought that I think Instagram, I think if we're going to sell stuff, we should try to build that. Yeah. Um, but it was for, for us at that time, it was just Instagram, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I thought, well, we should come up with some kind of name, I think. Um, because, we, again, we didn't really know what we were going to be doing. <laughs> um, so we came up with the name So the Land, and that was really a play on kind of two two things. We had we had spelled so like so like you're sewing a, a garment mm-hmm. because my wife she was in the fashion industry Cute. so we kind of thought like well maybe she could she could sew and then like we're working the land and so it was kind of play on words like S E W sure the land and so it was that for I think the first year or so and then we started you know it didn't turn out where we're selling or sewing clothes or anything like that yeah. it was kind of playing on words but we started to get people asking us hey do you sell clothes do you or do you sew clothes and yeah. we're like no so I, so I, so we switched it back to how it should have been yeah like s-o-w yeah uh because i didn't want to get those questions anymore <laughs> um so you know i i think right off in the beginning we i, I think we knew like social media would be like something that we should be doing yeah. And like sharing our story and documenting our story and in our journey, but it was through Instagram. But then when we started our YouTube channel, you know, we just kept, kept the name and now it's just, it encompasses everything that we do. Yeah. The name. So the land. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and at what point did you recognize that, there were more people paying attention than your family in LA. Like immediately yeah. you were like, Oh, we're onto something. No. Um, uh, I think it was probably a year after we were doing YouTube. I don't even know how many subscribers we had, maybe like a thousand maybe 2000 and this maybe, is maybe regularly like every week something comes out or every couple of days something comes out you're you're committed and it's a, a year in no it was kind of like very uh sporadic i wasn't yeah very sporadic it wasn't like i was doing it every day or anything okay. or it wasn't like oh we need to do this it was just like whenever i felt like it or mm-hmm. had time i would just post a video and it would really like, I would treat it like how Instagram stories is today, you know, like where you just kind of take a little clip. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at some of our earlier videos, it looks very like an Instagram story mm-hmm. where I would just take a little tiny clip and I would just I would post it with my phone, like no big deal. Like I'm just going to post it. No one's going to watch it anyways, you know, and I'd post it. So it wasn't until about a year after we were kind of doing that, um, that I started to get emails from random people that follow us on YouTube. And that was just super weird, you know, (laughs) like this one particular, I got this email from this lady and she's like, this is like the first email I got. And she was just like, Hey, you know, I know you're in the Asheville area just by watching your videos. And, and she goes, would you mind um, if me and my family come out and you show us your garden and show us how, how you're growing food? And I thought, oh, this is weird, this lady. I don't even know this lady, you know. And then she started to explain, like, hey, you know, she had little kids. They're they're eating a pickle, 
And, you know, pickles have this stem at the end, you know, mm-hmm. they came from cucumbers. And she was trying to explain to them, like, hey, you know, pickle came from a cucumber. That's how they grow. And they, they just couldn't understand because they'd never seen it. And so she wanted me to show them, like, where does food come from? And for whatever reason, I said, okay, you know, like, sure, you know, like, perfect strangers. Like, I don't know these people. I got, and I was like, hey, we have these people coming over and they want us to show us how, our garden. And so they came over. They were super nice. And, um, we had a bunch of food growing at that time and, and we had a bunch of cucumbers growing. And I was like, look at this is where your pickle comes from. And they're just so amazed yeah. by it all. Like just their face lighting up. They're eating tomatoes from the garden. They're holding baby chickens for the first time, you know, like, like the whole family, like they were just so amazed. And we, 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 we uh, had a, they picked a bag of groceries to make a salad. We, we sent them home with a bag of groceries from our garden and they went home and they messaged me. It was like, Hey, we made a big salad. Thank you so much. It was awesome. And after that, I was like, and we weren't hard. I don't think I was even make, we were making anything off of YouTube at that time. Sure. Um, but just that moment was like this, like we need to keep on doing this. Mm-hmm. Like, because other people are watching and they're like, almost like feeling inspired by this. And at the same time, I felt like, who the heck are we? Like, we just moved to this area and like, I don't know how to do this stuff. And like, they're asking me to show them how, how we're, what we're doing. I'm like, I don't even know what we're doing. Like, we're just doing it. Yeah. (laughs) And so, um, ever since then, like it it became like this, like we need to keep on doing this and talking about this and sharing our story because people are feeling inspired by it. Wow. I, uh, I have, I'll call it goosebumps and, and our own tiny scale have had moments where, uh, you know, Sarah and I, we, we committed for the first year, uh, to publish every Tuesday, no matter what our barometer for did we do well or good was just, did we, did we publish not how many people listened, not. Um, how many interviews, but just like, was it, did something come out? And if yes, then we're almost certainly getting better at the thing. Um, and there were many times where we were like, what are we doing? Like, why are we killing ourselves to get an episode out on a Tuesday? And like, literally no one cares. Like maybe someone cares, but we don't know about it. And like, no one asked us, no one made us promise to get an episode on two uh, out on, right. on Tuesday. So like, what's the big deal? And, but, um, Every once in a while, an email would come in or a podcast review would come in and we'd be like, oh, my God. <laughs> OK, well, you know, maybe we, maybe we do keep doing this. Like, yeah. And it's just like right when uh, we were down to our wits end and like we'd get this, uh, I'd say, gust of, uh, I don't know, uh, realization or affirmation. And so that I, I hear you and I on a small scale feel that. And I'm wondering. um the process to go from call it one subscriber mom to your thousandth subscriber. It seems just like, you know, volume helps probably the most. You're going to need to learn. You're going to need to do things wrong. You're going to need to get comfortable with turning a camera around or whatever it is mm-hmm. to go from a thousand to 10,000 or 10,000 to a hundred thousand. 
Were there any processes or like specific strategies that stand out to you as like, this really helped. I'm really glad that we started doing this, um, whatever that is. Um, you know, like, like I started doing it with my phone, mm-hmm. you know, and then from there it kind of just evolved. And that's just me just wanting to improve the quality, you know, the, the, the picture and, and the sound. And so from there, it went from a flip phone to one of these little flip phones. Mm-hmm. The G- G7X? Yep. Right on. Yep. And this is really great. I, this is a really good phone because now, now I can see what I'm, I can see myself, right? Right. With a phone, you can't, it's kind of hard. If you're uh, using the good camera on a phone, at least, right? If you're using yeah. the selfie camera, right. uh, you gotta, you can see obviously, but it's not the best right. for the viewer. But then it, I felt like it wasn't. And then after that, I moved to this. All right. Well, so what do we got here? This is a, a Canon ADD. ADD. Okay. With, That's with, funny. Uh, Can't pay attention. No matter how hard, it won't pay attention. <laughs> it's the Canon <laughs> ADD. Yeah. And then this is a, a Rode mic on this. With a little and dead so, cat on top. So going, now you're getting great audio. Now you're yeah, getting because, a much bigger right. uh, folk. I imagine it's... Uh, I'm not a camera pro, but it's a larger F stop, so you can get like shoot probably in lower light or zoom in better. Right, this is um, a wide angle lens. Wide angle, okay. So yeah. even at arm's length plus a little, you're able to get you and more. Yeah, you cool. get more. You get more of the shot, and, and, and you can switch lenses and stuff like that. So going from this to this, yeah, was so intimidating for me because I thought, who am I? I'm not. I'm not this. I'm not a. I'm not a filmmaker, you know, like I'm not professional. Like I'm just, I'm just some dude <laughs> at, at best point. I'm point and shoot guy or iPhone guy, not a yeah. DSLR guy. Yeah. Like going all these buttons. Like, I still don't know what all these buttons do. Like I just know record and that's it. Yeah. Like, yeah autofocus record and we're in business. Yeah. Like this is not me. I almost like I bought this and I was like, I really bought it because of the mic. Sure. I wanted it to be better sounding. And so I almost returned it. And I was like, this is not, this is not what I want to do. And so, but I didn't, I just kept with it. And, and the first time, you know, cause sometimes some of our videos, like I go into Asheville, like we went into the farmer's market, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like our day at the farmer's market, you know, and, and like, I'm just, we're just going out about our day filming. And, and when I first got that, we were doing that video and I was like, I got to bring this giant thing and we're going to talk into it in front of all these people, people. <laughs> who yeah. care, who for that moment will care about me or, or pass judgment. And, uh, yeah. how, how, what were the lessons there? Do no one cares? No one really pays attention or you get some side eye. What, what, what are you, yeah. what are your lived experiences with a big camera and a, and a dead cat? I feel like for whatever reason, that camera, I think portrays me as more of a professional. Fair. So people see you. I think they see you at a different light. Like mm-hmm. they think, "Oh, this guy, this guy's filming for something." Yeah, you know, <laughs> it must be must it, be legit. Versus, because I felt like this, right? I, like we, I take this in, like, say, a farmer's market before, and or in the town, and like I felt like I was still kind of hiding it. Sure. Because I was afraid of what people might think of me, like talking in front of a camera, like, oh, this guy thinks he's a lot about himself. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is this Casey Neistat? Because <laughs> that was, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, 2016 might have been that year that he went everyday video, right? Like started right around then. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, 
So I was trying to hide it still, and it was still like people knew what I was doing. Like <laughs> yeah. it was still it was creepy. Like this is a guy filming me, you know? Yeah. So with the bigger camera, there's no hiding that. No. And so like when you go into town and you're gonna film, you gotta film. Like, yeah. You're, there's no, you're no like holding back. Like you're in it. And so with that, it kind of forced me out of my comfort zone almost of like. Okay, you have this camera, you gotta own it. You gotta, you know, like, sometimes I'll, I'll interview, pe- like, a, a pe- someone at the, someone at the farmer's market, mm-hmm. and rather than just stick the camera in their face, I, like, talk to them first and be like, hey, you mind being on camera? You know, I, I always ask people. Yeah. Some, 99% of the time they say yes. Well, occasionally that person was like, no, I'm okay. I don't wanna be on camera, which is fine. Absolutely. But with the big camera, like, I felt like it was important to ask, started, started asking people and be yeah. like, Hey, you might be on a camera. I have, you know, and then I explained, like, I have my own YouTube channel and they're like, Oh, cool. You know, like, like everyone's like awesome about it. Like they're like, Oh, they're all about it. And so that kind of forced me, I think, to be a better filmmaker and a better, be a better storyteller. Mm-hmm. Um, and the sounds better and the overall experience is better. And it forced me to be out, get out of my comfort zone and be more comfortable talking to people in front of the camera mm-hmm. um, and me talking to the camera and it, that I think has helped us a, a ton to just to kind of bring it to another level. Sure. So if I'm, if I'm reading that back, there's, there's something about uh, I'll call it a, a gear level up when you're in public, at least that forces you to have a, uh, a skill level up as well. But so then would you say that the the improvements in gear also then led to overall a, a better reception to the videos themselves? Like the content improved because you maybe had more personality or more uh, free than you were before, less guarded, less concerned um, and and a higher quality video, higher quality audio let people enjoy the, the content more. It's like yeah, those I two think, things. Yeah. And I think people can see that in the videos, you know, like, um, also because, you know, you spent a lot of money on this camera, so you <laughs> want to get the yeah. most use out of it. You know, yeah. you really want to make it work. And so I think people see that and they see like your, your attitude almost changes. Mm-hmm. Like, you're, like you're really putting some effort into it and some passion behind what you're, what you're saying and what, what kind of story you're trying to put out. And, and, and you're happy and, 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 and you want to be there, you know, like yeah. instead of just with your phone, like, Oh, I'm with my phone. Like, you know, like you're, you're unhappy with the quality of this, <laughs> but you're still doing it. And you're like, you know, this is not going to come out good. You know, I think people could kind of sense that. Yeah. Um, and definitely like, but it, but it's a, it's a process though, sure. you know, like you have to start small. I, I feel start with what you have and then work up. Yeah. At, at the end of the day, one of the things that, um, I'm, I always try and remind myself up though. I, I figure out ways to block myself all the time is that if, if you want to do a thing, you can do it with what you have available to you right now. If you want to do a thing perfectly, right? Like, I don't know how great the audio is. We're trying a slightly new podcast setup on this episode. It might not be perfect but I'm really enjoying this conversation with you. And like worst yeah. case scenario is that there's some pops and cracks where the video freezes once in a while. And 
Uh, best case scenario is that no one notices except for me uh, all the issues right. and we make a difference somehow to one person who happens to find this episode. And um, I try to remember that. I try to keep that in mind as, you know, the new thing that I want to try gets blocked by not having the highest speed, coolest, newest version of the thing. Right. Because you might not ever even start, you know? Yeah. You got to start. You got to just start doing stuff and posting it, no matter if it's, if you feel it's quality or not, because to another person, they might be like, oh, this is great. Yeah. And, or, yeah. or normalizing, you know, the, the, the lived experience. I think it's one thing. So he, he, here's a question for you. As you started, um, and, and it's been now years, but as you started, we're, I, I think there's a tendency for people to attempt to want to be like, have you seen the movie eighth grade? By chance, it, it it's relatively new. I can't think I of the think so. director's name. Uh, he's a he's a Bo Burnham made a movie called Eighth Grade. He's fantastic. He's a he's like OG YouTuber. He used to video himself playing uh, really crazy songs that he wrote himself that were very funny. Um, but he wrote a movie called Eighth Grade, where this uh, eighth grade girl going through experiences that eighth grade girls go through about like. Am I enough? Do people like me? Am I pretty? Uh, starts a YouTube channel where she's effectively giving out like self-help advice. <laughs> and the movie makes it pretty clear that she says things and doesn't like live them because she's mm -hmm. too young. And there's like, you know, you can't be profound necessarily at 13. Um, but, but she's, you know, trying. And so I'm wondering, early days were you saying like, Hey, homesteaders who want to learn everything about homesteading, follow me. Cause I know everything about homesteading. <laughs> My guess is no, but maybe it was, um, mm -hmm. or were you t documenting, right? So that's the thing Gary Vee will say is like document versus, I don't know, create. educate, create, right? W what were early days? What was the tone message point yeah. of the media when you were putting out early? Um, it, it, yeah, it was not, that we were professional homesteaders or like we know it all. It, and it still is not that. Sure. Um, but yeah, at first it was just like documenting, you know, like what does it really was about our, I mean, still very much is, is about our family. Like mm -hmm. they're showing our family. It just so happens we have over a hundred thousand people who are also, <laughs> <laughs> you know? it's crazy. Yeah. Um, but you know, yeah, it's just really about documenting and, and I was like, we need to be, try to be, you know, as, as real as we, as we can and be honest, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to portray that we're know-it-alls or, or we're perfect or anything like that. Cause yeah. I, I don't, that's, we're not. And sure. so I, I think we need to portray that. It's like our mobile home here, right? Like, we were so afraid of the judgment of people going to judge us because we bought this rundown mobile home. But when we started our YouTube channel, I thought, well, if we start this YouTube channel, we're going to have to show our mobile home or <laughs> talk about it. Yeah. You know? And so, okay, you know, like we're still very timid and like didn't really want to, but you know, we're fixing it up and stuff inside and stuff like that. And I was like, well, we need to talk about it because you know, this mobile homes is a part of our story. Sure. This is part of us now. This is this mobile home is helping us live our dream. And so after we started saying that, 
in, in documenting it and not being afraid of that judgment, not being afraid of people saying, talking about us because we bought this mobile home. Um, I think that's when, it, when things start to change. You know, we're not, we're not afraid of that. Um, you know, I mean, never would I have thought that, you know, we fixed up our mobile home and then like Carolina Home and Gardens wanted to do a photo shoot inside our mobile home. Wow. You know, like uh, another um, mobile home manufacturer sent a photographer out to, to film or to shoot video for or, or film for a, a blog post, you know, like, do you know we're in a single wide mobile home? Or... Yeah. <laughs> I, you, you know what? I, I think there's a lesson there. So I, I attempted to tee you up on the what was the content. I couldn't have imagined um, that you were trying to be a know-it-all early days. I think that that's often where people go wrong when they're trying to start a thing for the first time. It's like, you know, you if the more uh, people are really good at identifying, I'll call it BS, but like when there's an incongruence with this with something and you don't have to necessarily be able to put a finger on exactly what it is, but like something's wrong here. Um, and so that honesty is, uh, transparent, I'll say. And then with what you just talked about of like this thing that could create shame, I, 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 I'm starting to have the opinion that it acceptance of the, of the shame thing and like ownership of the shame thing, whatever it is, is often people's like superpower. And it's not common to be able to say, you know, this single wide trailer that makes me very uncomfortable right now. Um, it's not common to be able to, to take it, own it, and then recognize that that is a, you know, it, it's the David and Goliath, uh, strength, actually. It's a key part of the story that without it, um, the story is not as remarkable. Um, and right. even though it gives you shame right now, it, you have to lean into it hard to say that to someone and have it actually hit, um, right. versus when you, I think the language you use was like, things changed when we, when we started showing the trailer, yeah. I, yeah. I, that makes, uh, that's just another, I'll call that another tick in that man owning the shame thing, huh? <laughs> You just got to get over that. That's that's, part, that's a hard part. Yeah, yeah. but it, it's all in our, in our I think, it. our own minds. Yeah, I don't think no one else. I mean, you know, I'm sure no one even thought about it. Maybe, but in my own mind, I'm thinking like people are going to think this of me. <laughs> you yeah. know, and I need to just get over that. Yeah, yeah. It's in my own mind. That's uh, <laughs> here's here's hoping that we all can can live into that. So, um, at some point, you start showing that the trailer at some point you level up the gear um what does production look like for you are you using iMovie or is you, you have you leveled up are you now shooting files to a video team like mm -hmm. how has production changed and we'll keep it just on youtube for now but i'd also love to hear about all of the other business yeah. uh, i'll call them revenue streams that you've created um because i'm inspired by it and and often I, I see, you know, the, the, I'll say that the average dream of an eight to 18 year old today is to be a YouTube star because it looks really great. <laughs> I, as a, I'll call it, um, salesperson or marketer 
am constantly thinking that if your lifeblood, if your, uh, if your livelihood is based on YouTube's ad algorithm, you're, you're missing the point. Like there's yeah. more, there's more available and you've done this exceptional job building a brand. Um, and so just a couple more minutes on production on the YouTube channel. And I want to hear about how that brand is showing up. Yeah. Um, so I don't like storyboarding. <laughs> um, my style is really just turn the camera on and go. Okay. And just, and just start talking, see what happens. I mean, 90% of what we film is things that were not planned. Um, of course, we do some specific how-to videos. Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course, those are planned and those are specific to that. But uh, more of the vlog-type videos, like, it's just kind of going about our day and I just happen to have a camera in my hand and I'm mm -hmm. just filming it. Um, I use... Uh, I use iMovie, which is what I started out on, and you know iMovie's free. Comes with a Mac, you know. Yeah, yeah. You're paying. You're and, paying for the Mac. Let's let's yeah. utilize its capacity. Yeah, and it's perfectly fine. Like, like I still use iMovie. Um, slowly, I'm kind of transitioning over to like Adobe Premiere. Um, you know, it's more involved. Mm -hmm. It's not as streamlined. You can do a ton of stuff. You know, it's like professional things, but at the same time. It's not really needed. I think I'm just doing it just to learn a new skill, I sure. think. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I film and edit all the videos. Um, I think we learned early on that my wife, she does not like filming or editing. <laughs> That's fair. And a lot of people don't. But for me, like, I love filming and I love editing. Like, I love the whole process of it. Um, and, and I think you kind of have to. I mean, you don't have to, but it helps. When you, <laughs> sure, you when can you, avoid When you want to build a, a channel, <laughs> yeah, you gotta love doing it because the editing part it can take. You know, like like right now it can take. You know, I'll film say an hour and a half of footage of total footage of say just a vlog of just our day, and it's about an hour and a half long. I'll edit that down to about seven to ten minutes, mm. and that edit will take me about four to six hours. How, how so, often are you uh, publishing at this point? How often does a video come out on the channel? We've been averaging lately uh, every other day. Wow. So about 15 videos a month we've been averaging. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. if, if I'm just thinking about the math, that's hour and a half of video. We'll, we'll, for, for sake of math, we'll call it a six-hour edit process. That's an average person's entire work day, but yeah. you have animals to keep alive and a child to, to right. more importantly keep alive and right. uh and plants and, and, and like it sounds like a it's a long day it's a it's yes. a it's a real thing you gotta love it <laughs> um yeah and usually the editing is like my night job sure okay you know and that's something i'm i'm still trying to figure that out like figure out a, a schedule mm -hmm. and that's hard for me I feel like I have all these other things going on that it's just, it's hard to have a schedule. Yeah. I mean, and if I you were just a video editor, that's a, that's a real gig. Um, but I've seen some of the products that you build and yeah. I, uh, I, a big part of my YouTube, uh, fandom, I, I follow all of these woodworkers. I just, I, I mm -hmm. I've never 
never used a wood plane in my life. I, I yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like my dad, I don't know which side, I don't know if he knows which side of a hammer to use. And so I, <laughs> I'm trying to learn things. I have not been able to apply any of the lessons, but I love woodshop YouTube. And so yeah. I see all these things that you're making. I'm like, how in the world does this all get done? And so it's, it's late night at its at high speed internet to the trailer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what it is. Um, Sometimes I'm like, like if it's snowing outside and I really don't want to be outside, well, I'm just going to edit a video, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Something like that. Or, yeah, it's just kind of trying to fit it in there sure. whenever I can. And then maybe that's why I, it started to be where every other day I would post. So, like, I'd film and then the next day I'd edit mm -hmm. and then film and then edit, you know, like every other day. Mm -hmm. um, so, so far that's been working. But really, I'm still trying to figure that out, a good yeah. schedule. With uh, with specific like tactics, like subscribe, uh, mentioning posts that you've created in the past that you know perform well, and putting a icon to mm -hmm. clickable thing. Uh, anything in the last couple of years where you're like, yeah, I now make a point in every episode to rep to mention something that we've done in the past or a playlist that we've done in the past. Anything like that, Santa? Um, I try to, and I think that's that's good to do that, but it's hard to remember to do that. Too. <laughs> I can only imagine. It's so hard to remember that. Yeah. Like I'm not very good at that. I, I now re recently though, I feel like I'm a little bit better, but still I don't do it every video. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, maybe every few videos I might remember and be like, Oh, I should say that. And then like, <laughs> I'll maybe redo that tape and like sure. say it at the end or something. Sure. But yeah, it's just trying to remember all that. It's so tough. It's so hard. That's amazing. And then, uh, uh, my, my limited YouTube knowledge, thumbnails, uh, titles, tags. Are you doing anything savvy in those spaces? And that, that too, man. Like, it's just <laughs> trying it. to, it's just trying to figure it all out and like seeing, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know what works. I mean, you try to, like, you see some of these other big, big YouTubers, yeah. like millions of followers, kind of see like what they're doing. But then again, you really can't copy people because what might work for them might not work for me. You know, like yeah. it's just, you kind of like do it and just see what kind of response you get from it. And you sure. learn from there, you know, like see like, okay, this, this particular video got more views than this one. Maybe it's because I, I used a different thumbnail. Maybe I put like a words on the thumbnail or like a, a, maybe, maybe it stands out more. Yeah. Maybe I need to do that again for the next one and then just kind of see where that yeah. goes, you know, keep maybe keep on doing it and seeing how the views are, but then it could be the content that I'm putting out is better than this yeah. one. You know, like do you, just, do you have any kind of structured every month? I go back and look at data every quarter or is it just kind of by feel at this point? It's really by feel. Like I try not to spend too much cuz I could look at the analytics <sighs> and really just nerd out on that but then also it will frustrate me because i will feel like it's just slowly getting better <laughs> and i don't want to feel that way like so i really do it by feel now okay. like just i hardly look at the analytics i mean i kind of knew basically like what what age people are you know how old people are watching and but really doesn't matter like i'm still just posting what i'm posting you know and, or like what time of day I could post, you know, mm -hmm. I might look at that, what's better, you know, and um, certain things like that. But I really try not to get too nerdy about it. I just really just do by feel and like whatever I'm happy with, 
like, and I th- really think people will will resonate with that. And like, yeah. oh, this guy's happy with this thing. So like, yeah, this is a good video, you know? Wow. <laughs> All right. So uh, now to think about the, the business as opposed to YouTube production. So I'm thinking uh some point you hit a thousand subscribers, YouTube allows you to turn an AdSense, account, you know, uh, toggle on, you're making a couple cents per million people or a thousand people that see the video or something to that effect. Had you already been selling kale from the farm at that point? Um, what, what, how has the business evolved alongside the brand? Yeah. So, you know, like, yeah, I didn't know what we were going to be doing when we moved here. Uh, I was just really basically just doing odd jobs around town, you know, and, um, I started in early on, I started doing, um, helping a guy convert school buses into tiny homes. <laughs> That's cool. And that was about the same time we started our YouTube channel. So, um, and really I was just filming my day and yeah. it just so happens I'm building out a tiny home bus, you know, <laughs> That's that's a hot trend uh, of the last couple of years as well, though. Yeah, and our, our top five videos are two bus builds that we've huh. done because I was that's just what I was filming at the time, and I and I knew that wasn't going to be like I could have turned our channel into a bus conversion channel, yeah, and it probably would would have done twice as better. Um, but I also knew that I wasn't going to be doing that forever, yeah, you know, and I didn't want to do that forever. It's not it's not what I wanted to do. Um, it just happened to be doing what I was doing at that time. And so those are like my top, still my top videos. Cool. School bus conversions. But, um, so I always kind of knew that if we kept doing YouTube, that YouTube would kind of take over eventually where it would bring in a new set of eyes, a new set of maybe, I guess, customers or or Mm -hmm. people wanting to buy something from us. Um, and I think this year we reached that and I would have to like before we would like, I always love woodworking and mm-hmm. then like building stuff with my hands. And, and so we moved here. I thought that might be something we might do. And so I started making like hand carved spoons and cutting boards. And before like YouTube, you know, we're doing like craft shows in Asheville, um, and just kind of selling through through Instagram mm-hmm. here and there or people that we knew that we would meet. And so after like YouTube, I always kind of treated it as like an extension of everything else that we're doing. And then eventually now YouTube has become the reason why we're able to, to make it work. I feel, yeah. um, because it's grown so much. And so now we're, I'm still making things like, like just various woodworking projects that people ask me for, that people follow us on YouTube and they Mm -hmm. want to support us. Um, so we sell through like our, we have an Etsy shop, a Sutherland Etsy shop where we sell like us, um, woodworking items. And then also my wife, before we left California, she had started this skincare, like natural skincare line, like lotions and stuff. And so she kind of kept through, kept that and she'll still now she still does that. And she still, that has grew. Um, and that's what, another thing that we sell and we sell it pretty much really just through our Instagram and through YouTube. Mm-hmm. And we sell all that on Etsy. And 
it just slowly has grown as our YouTube channel has grown, like everything. Um, and I, that's because I think people just really want to support you. Like they see you, you know, living and, and they see us, you know, all the time and they just really want to, there's some, I think there's just some really good people out there and they just want to support small businesses and they want to support you. Um, but like the merchandise thing, I never thought we would be making merch, so the land merchandise. Cause I always felt like it's just a name. So the land, like it's yeah. not, it's not like a, a logo really. It's just words. Yeah. And so, uh, until people started asking like, yeah. Hey, you should come out with t-shirts, you know, or Hey, you should come out with mugs or hats or stickers or something like that. So um, imagine that people asking for it. I, I, I love that. And also, but though, though it's not a, icon i think it's it's a verb uh and i think that that is uh or you know uh i i failed language arts but it, it it's like a command like hey you go you know sow the land and right. uh, uh that's a flag that i think a lot of people probably want to fly and so you have a uh you have like a i don't know if it's considered actually a trademark but you have a phrase a saying that shows up a lot what is what is that phrase is it make food? Oh, grow food, build stuff, repeat. <laughs> Love it. Because <laughs> I know it's, it might not make sense. Grow food, build stuff. Like that doesn't <laughs> go together. But like I felt like I don't know how that came up. I think it came up like a year ago where like I was just outside doing something. And I'm like, what is the, the, the basic simplest form of what we do and what we keep on doing every single day? And that's growing food and building stuff. Love it. That's all we. That's all I'm doing. Yeah. Every single day. And so, like, why don't I just make a shirt that says "Grow Food, Build Stuff"? And then, you know, one of the, you know other shirts you've seen, and it says "Repeat" or something like yeah. that. So I kind of play on that. And then, I just made up a shirt that said "Grow Food, Build Stuff, Repeat," and um, people are like, "Oh my gosh, this is awesome!" Uh, and they started <laughs> buying the shirt, and it, and it kind of evolved from there. And yeah. now we have stickers and like hats and beanies, and it's all like "Grow Food, Build Stuff" because I thought like this is. Everybody in the farming, homesteading space, especially, this is all that we're doing is we're growing food and we're building things like, you know, and we're yeah. doing it ourselves, you know, yeah. and so that's, that's the basic bare bones of it. And then um, I started for whatever reason, like I've always in the morning when I go out and feed my chickens, you know, my, my daughter named all our chickens, right? So we have this chicken named Bernice, right? And so every morning I was like, Hey, good morning, Bernice. What's up? You know? And like, for whatever reason, I've always deleted that portion out of the videos like early on. And so one day, like I just kept that. Cause I always thought it was kind of corny. Like <laughs> it's kind of corny. I'm kind of embarrassed that I say that, but then, uh, I left that portion in the video and this was a couple years ago. And I just say, Hey, good morning, Bernice. And so like, People love the way I said that and the way I greeted my chickens that people started asking for, you need to come out with Bernice t-shirts, right? And I'm like, really? Chicken? Like, eh, that seems kind of weird. Like, I don't know if people would buy that. And so, again, enough people asking. And then so I'm like, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to come out with a Hey Bernice t-shirt. And I did. And... That first month, I sold like over 200 t-shirts. Wow. (laughs) 
and this is a you know hey buddy's hey, t-shirt and we still have that t-shirt and that kind of evolved into other that. t-shirts and like stickers and stuff like that and it became this thing like that's like one of the things that i say on my youtube channel in the morning when I, when i when i have chickens there like, hey bernice good morning you know and it just became it. this thing that is just like it's silly but it's, yeah. it's kind of and you funny, could, couldn't have expected it we're like yeah. you know there's uh, Peter McKinnon's like, what's up, everybody? Or like, and there's like this oh, thing yeah. that'll happen. And I don't know, like maybe his was planned. I imagine he just did it once and people made a point about it in, in the comments. Yeah. Uh, and I, it's so cool that you have a, you have a thing. Yeah. And it's just like, I think it's just really like, I guess I'm just listening to the people following us, mm-hmm. you know, like listening to their comments and seeing what they're saying. You know, in, in because otherwise I wouldn't have came up with a Bernice T-shirt, you know, <laughs> yeah. like or a Soda Land shirt. Like, yeah. It's just really me just listen, trying to listen to what they have to say and what they want. Have you have you have you thought you were listening before and missed ever? Um, Created a flop, zigged when you should have zagged, or has it I been mostly can... green lights? Yeah. I think so. I mean, it's not, I feel like I'm not doing enough. Like, I feel like everyone feels that. I feel like I, sometimes I'm disappointing them, (laughs) you know, like I feel like I need to give them more of things, but you know, it's tough. Um, And it's not like I'm, I don't put like, there's very low uh, risk, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it's just a t-shirt, you know, like I'm not, creating huge things to sell and spending all this money up front. You sure. know what I mean? Like, I, I, you know, it's just a t-shirt. It's just a hat, you know, it's not a huge amount of money. So I feel like it's low risk, even if it does flop. Yeah. And if anything, like I have a, free, I have a hat for myself, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, <sick. laughs> like I have, a, we have a t-shirt for ourselves or yeah. for like, you know, my mom can buy a t-shirt, you yeah. know, like, and there's, I mean, yeah. there's a ton of, uh, kind of just in time manufacturing. It's a, it's a slimmer margin. But in the, you know, version one, it could be uh, fulfilled yes. in real time if you had yes. to. Yeah. And as your, as the channel grows and as the presence grows, like that, that's going to grow, like the t-shirt sales and the merchandise. Yeah. yeah. And so it's nice where I don't have to ship it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or deal with that. You know, yeah. another company can do that and it doesn't matter if we grow or not because they're just doing it. Yeah. I just heard something, Mr. Beast. Uh, gigantic YouTube channel for those mm-hmm. of you. Um, I think he does like six million dollars a month in, uh, maybe that, wait, that can't be right. Six million dollars a year in just merch. Like that's a gigantic fashion brand. If yeah, just uh, like alone, right? Oh, like for I, sure. I wouldn't doubt that. That's yeah. like, for that's sure, Looney yeah. Tunes. Um, uh, how interesting and how crazy, but he's got a team, I think now of like 32 people. that uh that support that channel alone and i and that is this uh interesting place have you worked with any subcontractors or contractors to help do things in the so the land business um i have not okay i feel like we're lately i've been thinking about that we've been thinking about that um some because i feel like eventually we're gonna get there we're gonna hire somebody to do something. I don't sure. know what, what, what yet, but 
Um, I feel like we're very just starting to talk about that. Okay. And figure that out and try to and make that leap. That's going to be another one of those scary leaps, I think, just to like do that. And it's weird that we're even having that conversation at this point. Like, fantastic. <laughs> you know, but um, I think for growth, though, like we're going to have to do something like that. Sure. You sure. know, just one person like helping us ship stuff or, you know, just something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's just part of it. There, uh, so that'll lead me to, I'll call it section three of our podcast, talking about the future. What what things are you thinking about? Um, this episode won't come out until 2021, right? So we're in December now while recording. What things are top of mind for you? It might be holidays um, and personal or professional. What are you excited about in 2021? Um, this, this year, we started doing... Um, hands-on workshops, like very small, small one-on-one, small scale, maybe like two or three people. Uh, and that's, uh, we did, uh, how to butcher their own chickens in their backyard. Um, this year, you know, people started panic buying things. And so they started panic buying, um, uh, chickens, you know, they were buying meat chickens and people are contacting us and say, Hey, you know, I think, at a certain point, you could watch so many YouTube videos, but then at a certain point, you got to do it. Yeah, you know, you got to get your hands dirty. I, I've read a bunch of butchery books, and uh, I, while I've never, I've harvested uh, waterfowl, but never anything that's like, uh, I'll call it, uh, where husbandry is involved. Yeah. And so I don't know that experience, and uh, all of the books have a seemingly massive another fishbowl moment where they're like all right i've raised this pig it's go time (laughs) what what happens now yeah it's just a different experience and i think without having to like go all in and buy a hundred chickens like take a workshop you know or or reach out to somebody local like a local farm or if you know somebody like go and help them butcher their chickens you know so anyways we started doing those workshops very small scale this year. And I would hope that we could do more of that next year. Yeah. Um, to, you know, depending with everything going on right now, uh, I would hope we can do like more people, um, uh, in more, just more of those hands-on workshops I think is, is important. Yeah. And I think it's, it's a necessity because pe- more and more we're seeing this year that more people want to learn this stuff. Yeah, they want to be more self-sufficient and know where their food comes from, and I would hope we can do that next year, and also maybe do more specific um, online workshops, mm-hmm. like almost like these, uh, like kind of master classes. Yeah, uh, that you see pop up um, where they're, um, you know, how to butcher a chicken in a more in-depth uh, video than what you see on YouTube, because you know certain things you can't post on youtube you know if you're doing something like that yeah um, so i i would hope we could do more of that more if you can't take a workshop maybe you could do an online workshop absolutely um, but but i see that uh happening next year and you know our place here it, i've always thought of it as just a, a learning experience and, and a place that is not going to be our forever home. Sure. 
Like it was just to get us out here, get us starting, get us, get our hands dirty, get us to learn stuff and, and build things and just try to figure all this out and seeing if we like doing these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then go from there. Like I've always thought that we would get a, maybe a little bit bigger property and maybe do more hands-on type workshops, maybe mm-hmm. have these experiences, farming experiences where people could come out and like hang out and, and maybe have farm dinners or something like that or, you know, or, or learn how to do something, grow food, build stuff. And um, I think a hands-on experience, I think people are going to love to do. I I am uh, in agreement. Uh, I, I think that you're uh, completely right. My unsolicited thoughts and advice is uh, before you go crazy building the high-speed, sexy class, do the cell phone version of the class to the people who really, really, really want it first and mm-hmm. have it be, uh, you know, learn some of the things about trying to run a live program from your trailer. Yeah. Be- before you make <laughs> it, you know, the best version, just yeah. like you did with your, your YouTube channel. But, um, I, I think that you're completely right. And, uh, one of the things that I always try and remind myself, like we, Sarah and I have run a couple podcasting workshops at this point. Uh, and I, you know, my, I'll call it lizard brain reminds me that there are so many podcast classes and workshops <laughs> and there are so many, maybe there are a hair less, uh, you know, online butchering options or online specifically you know, slaughtering and then butchering classes. Yeah. Um, but I could imagine you saying, but there's already stuff like I learned, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, people are funny, you know, like, uh, there's, you are, you are, yeah, you are the perfect teacher for somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's all perspective. Like some people really, uh, resonate with your story. And so, like, hey, I want to learn from this guy. Like, I really appreciate what he's doing, you know, and, and, and or, or the other person. I, I don't really resonate with that guy, so <laughs> I don't want to take his stuff. But then yeah. this guy, yeah, like, this guy seems cool. Like, let's, let's, let's learn from him, you know, like, yeah. it's just, it's just all perspective, I think. Yeah. And if you, and if you don't put the option out there, you'll never know who wanted to take it with you. Um, and I, I, I'm of the mind that most people under promote things, uh, by, by a lot, uh, with the thought that somehow or another they're being, uh, too pushy or too salesy or too somethingy. And the reality is you're being generous by recognizing that your audience is busy and that, uh, you might need to say the thing more than once for them to see it and have the timing yes. be right. That is correct. And I struggle with that. Because I don't want to be salesy. <laughs> it's it's uh flip flip the narrative to I'm being generous. I am yeah, uh, assuming that they are busy, real humans who don't you know wait on bated breath with everything that I say, and therefore saying it again is uh is an act of service. Yes, I agree. Cool. With uh the final final sections here, I'm, uh, I want to say two word word association for you. Uh, Asheville and community, what shows up for you? Like what comes up? Yeah. Uh, Asheville um, community. Um, 
inspiring. I think everyone, the people that we've met in the community, no matter what they're doing, um, they all have a story to tell. You know, like everyone has a cool story to tell, like how they became here, how they're from here, um, the things that they're doing, what what drew them here, mm-hmm. you know? I think there's a lot of those words being thrown around, like I was drawn here by something, you know, like we were. <laughs> um, and I feel like the community has been incredible support everyone kind of supports each other you know like everyone's kind of on this same i feel like on the same path of of just trying to live their passions you know i think it's beautiful yeah i we agree and that is the uh, basis of what's going on here um well i uh I just want to say yeah, I'm inspired by your story. I'm inspired by you uh, living into your passion and trying new things and, and being very successful uh, to an outsider's per- perspective. I think you have very little to feel sorry for not delivering to your community. <laughs> uh, you are, you are, it's really cool. And so I, on, on behalf of making it in Nashville, we thank you for joining us today. Last questions are, where in the World Wide Web, how might our listeners find you and uh, follow along with your story? Um, you can find us on our YouTube channel at So The Land and also on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, we have our website, SoTheLand.com. And yeah, we're, we're all there. They're everywhere. And we will have <laughs> links to all of those places in the show notes and on Instagram if you watch it there or YouTube if you if you watch this conversation so thank you once again jason for your time today yeah i appreciate it it's fun thank you